You're listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. Hey guys, this is uh, Patrick. I was recording with Greg Foss and I, this is 24 hours after his Twitter account was deactivated, which uh, we come to find out uh, he decided to deactivate him, himself because of all the, the blowback he was getting for raising the money for the truckers up in Canada. And the first section of the interview I forgot to record, so I, I wanted to kind of provide a segue into the conversation. I asked Greg how the raising of the money was going for the truckers in Canada. Apparently there was a lot of negative blowback from within the Bitcoin community about intentions and and um, ethics and all that. So um, Greg and Jeff Booth and Ben of uh, BT Sessions, they got rid of the the holding of the keys for the for the Bitcoin. They have surrendered that, given that over to the truckers. It's now in the hands of the truckers. Um, he doesn't know which truckers, but the, the truckers definitely have the money. And we just talked a little bit about uh, how disappointing it was to get that sort of um, reaction from the Bitcoin community. They were attempting to do something that was noble and is in fact noble. And um, the events just got a- ahead of them where they couldn't figure out all the, the steps. So it's just kind of a candid observation about what was going on in Canada, and I appreciated that. And then um, we segue into uh, the bond market and what's going on with uh, U.S. equities, et cetera. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Greg Foss, and um, he's brilliant, and uh, thank you again. And I guess uh, I saw uh, BT Sessions, he tweeted that really things were moving so quickly. It's, you know, you try to do the best you can sometimes in a sticky situation, and then someone can always play, you know, Monday night quarterback and say that, you know, and so I can understand the stress associated with that. So it was, you know, it's stress is one thing, right, Patrick, but the other thing is just, it's disappointment, right? It's like, you know, you're doing your absolute best, you know, people are, People, you know, were accusing us of we're going to take fees to manage the Bitcoin or we're going to do this. You know, I mean, it's just OK, but it's just not what we're all about. And I mean, the funny thing is uh, not funny. I mean, a guy like Jeff Booth, do you think he'll, he'll do you yeah, think he would yeah. ever tarnish his reputation yeah. doing something? Yeah. Like that? It's, I mean, it, right, right. It's like do, even that amount of money, which is a lot of money. Uh, for you and and Jeff, is it really going to move the needle? And even from a monetary it would perspective, move, it certainly it would it would certainly move the needle, but it would destroy everything else I've built. So uh, let's let's be honest. I <laughs> yeah, mean, you know, you know, yeah. And and I said to Ben Sessions when he uh, the, this was a bit sort of a joke, but when we only had one wallet, when we it was only a, a single wallet, not multi sig. And he goes, but, you know, and this is only when the donations were approaching, you know, a couple of hundred thousand, he goes, I'm getting nervous with this amount. And I go, Ben, look, and I've, I've met Ben probably three times personally. And then I've met him uh, on his podcast frequently, but I said, look, man, I already trust you like a brother. And by the way, if you ever decided that you were going to run with that amount of money, you know, I go, that would be the dumbest thing you could yeah. ever do. Yeah. Cause we would hunt you down and kill you. Yeah. And he, we giggled and, but it's true. Like that's yeah. what the Bitcoin community does. But you know, once it was all set and the funds started flowing in, you know, we were dealing with a lot of, uh, we were juggling a lot of different balls and, um, and Ben did an unbelievably great job. Nick, who was at nobody at nobody caribou did an unbelievable job. And 
mission accomplished. As far as I'm concerned, I have no control over it. I have, uh, you know, I've, uh, put my reputation on the line that we would do what we did, what was right. And that's all we can do. Yeah. Well, well, job well done. I applaud you, you for, for doing that. Yeah. Thanks. And Greg, you know, so I, I really admire the work that you do and, and the, the, I guess the education that you bring about bonds. And so you've educated me. I'm still kind of fuzzy on the maths as you call it. Um, I guess that's a British thing or a Canadian thing, but, um, yeah. What is the state of the bond market right now? And uh, bring some clarity into, I think last week you were calling for the, the dog was going to be wagging the tail and that the market did respond on Friday um, in a negative way. So kind of uh, bring us up to speed on what's going on in the bond market and, and kind of what you're sure. seeing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, when, when we said the, the dog was wagging uh, or the tail was wagging the dog, well, the, the best way to put it actually is the dog is the credit market and the tail mm-hmm. is the equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the, the equity market gets swung around like a dog's tail when, um, uh, credit is getting restless. And so right now credit is not healthy. Uh, what that means is that, uh, firstly, the, the buyer, the bid in the market is not very deep, which means, uh, it's not like there's big accounts who are, who, who are, uh, standing up and buying a whole lot of bonds that need to move. Uh, that's partially because, uh, there's redemptions happening in things like the closed end high yield funds, uh, JNK in particular, that's the ticket symbol of a closed end high yield fund, uh, ETF. Um, and, and when there's redemptions, they have to sell bonds and to, to raise cash to meet the redemptions. And when they're selling bonds, prices go lower credit spreads widen out, uh, in due to things like, uh, credit default swaps. Uh, you can purchase default protection on these, uh, on these bonds via an insurance contract called a credit default swap. So they're all correlated. And, uh, as spreads widen, uh, people look for protection in other markets, uh, including the ability to short equities, right? So let's say you own this bond that's uh, ticker symbol X, Y, Z, and it also has a stock, uh, it's the same capital structure. Um, if you own too many of the bonds, a logical thing to do is go out and short the stock as protection in, in the event of not just default, but uh, obviously in default, but even widening credit spreads correlate to a, uh, a falling stock price. So you can, uh, do that as a head, as a trader at a hedge fund. It was what I spent my life doing. Um, and these types of capital structure arbitrage trades, what they do though is call cause correlation and contagion. So when the equity market is, uh, or when the credit market is feeling sick, that tail starts uh, getting whipped around. And it's funny because the equity guys just get steamrolled. They have no idea what's going on. First of all. Okay. Like most equity clowns have no clue about the bond market, which is very sad given that they are subordinate claim to the, to the bonds. I, I know this because when I worked at a, uh, at a, uh, trading floor, uh, that it was a sell side, uh, the equity guys, even the equity analysts would come running over to the bond floor when their stock was getting destroyed and they couldn't understand what's going on. And I'm like, well, it's pretty simple. The bonds of this company are trading at this price, which indicates stress, which means the equity is now an option. And, you know, they're like getting steamrolled and they don't understand it. And even the accounts on the equity side, the big pension funds, they're just so silly. They're just really out to lunch most of the time. So this is what happens. 
And if credit is uh, catching a cold, the equity market gets really sick. And credit is catching a cold right now. Yeah. Uh, it, it leads to increased volatility. So the VIX yesterday hit 30. That's equity vol. That's annualized equity vol, which when it hits 30, it implies a daily move of uh, up to 2% because you need to divide annualized volatility by the square root of 252, which is the number of trading days in a year to get daily vol. And so that's basically 30 divided by 16 leads to uh, equity prices swinging 2% on a given day mm. is the average is what you expect. And, and so you don't watch the equity markets open, you watch them close, okay? Mm. That is the more important thing because that's when people need to know what have the mutual fund flows been meaning if there's redemptions, that's more selling. That means you have to raise cash, which means, you know, hitting bids, which means uh, pressure on prices. And anyway, it's, it's, it's a fun job until it's not uh, because, <laughs> you know, it, it you know, it, it's, it's just the way the world works. Um, so the markets right now are not healthy. Uh, it's, it's bleeding into credit. Uh, it took a while to get to the credit markets because the equity markets had provided such a cushion to credit. They, the stock prices were so high, the implied, uh, protection for credit was very large, but as equity prices fell by more than 10% coming into this year, that protection has dissipated and therefore people get a little more nervous. And when they get a little more nervous, selling begets selling. So that's where we are. And so thinking about that, how do you see what's going to happen with the equity markets for the first two quarters of the year? Do you think, I mean, are they just going to go down? Uh, you know what? Um, I am not bullish on equities because I'm not bullish on credit. And yeah, okay. given that, you know, what I've just, uh, but I'll say this, I mean, you have, first of all, look, I don't think the last jobs report was an accurate jobs report. I think there'll be enormous revisions in the case of uh, the enormous revisions. You'll see uh, an idea that maybe the jobs market's not as strong. There's rumors that, you know, that you could look at ISM and whatever, and uh, see that the, the U uh, S economy is actually not as strong as everyone thinks. And now the fed is hiking into a recessionary environment. So it just, it's, you know, it's not good for credit because the a slowing economy means slowing cash flows, which means slowing debt coverage or lower debt coverage ratios. And, uh, a recession is horrible because defaults pick up markedly in a, in a recession. So therefore credit spreads need to widen to compensate for the increased risk and it just flows downhill. Okay. So the equities again, become the whipping boy. Um, so I, I think, the, okay, that, go ahead. The, well, no, no, that emergency meeting, I didn't keep up with what happened out of the emergency meeting with the fed. I don't know if they published that or not, but, um, what was that meeting about? I don't know uh, if it wasn't, it supposed to be yesterday. I don't care. The fed is full of buffoons. Okay. okay? They, right. they have okay. no, they have no clue what they're doing. It's being run by a lawyer. Okay. The man has never sat in a risk chair. He probably doesn't even understand what I just said, which is very dangerous because you know, as sitting in the world's most important risk yeah. chair, he better understand stuff like this. And then if he does understand it, he's never traded it. He's never sat in a chair where he actually can appreciate how quickly things can unravel. And that's the truth. 
you know, it unravels quickly. And when it unravels, it's painful. And as I said, selling begets selling because then people say, oh, I better get out. And why are you getting out? Well, because prices are going lower. Well, I got to get out. Well, everyone's trying to get out. And then all of a sudden this cascade happens. So I don't personally believe that, uh, that the, uh, uh, Fed will raise nearly as many times as uh, the market is anticipating. I don't think they can. I think it'll cause a, uh, a, um, uh, you know, a, a serious pullback in equities. And if equities pull back seriously, um, you know, that's the pensions of the average American that now are no longer funded, fully funded, meaning that, you know, they might not be able to retire, uh, count on their, their pension uh, benefits. And if they can't, People start asking questions like, why is Biden still president? And then Biden says, well, I want to be president and therefore I need the equity markets to stabilize. And, and, and you know, this used to be OK when the bond market uh, was a bit of a cushion for the uh, stock market. But they're not. They're both going down in lockstep. And if, yeah. if they both go down, that's a double whammy on the 6040 investing portfolio. So, which so is, that, that's going to basically have him push the button of uh telling the Fed to, to start printing more money, quantitative easing. To, I to- believe so. I mean, we've seen it in the past. This is uh, a, a repeat of the last taper tantrum. Uh, and um, uh, sorry, I'm just responding to it in text here. Um, That's all right. It's uh, my wife. So it's an important one. <laughs> but uh, so it's, um, uh, you know, we've seen it the last time. It, it's just, I believe it's mathematically certain that they have to continue quantitative easing mm-hmm. and they can name it something else. This is where they're going to do the two-step. Well, it's no longer called quantitative easing. We, we're going to call it, uh, you know, something that's, see, we told you we'd stop quantitative easing because we renamed it to something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I guess the, uh, the, I guess the big surprise, it's kind of, uh, portending the, all of this was, I I think a lot of people were expecting inflation to kind of flatline or stabilize, uh, but it seems like transitory. Come on. I mean, this is the, this is the fun, funniest thing, you know, uh, how, how, how do people think this? It's not like there's any roadmap and, uh, you know, everyone trusts that like the fact that the 10 year treasury yield is 2% ish right now is the biggest goof I've ever seen in my life. Now, it's there because it's engineered lower. Sure. But when inflation is seven and a half percent and 10 year treasuries are 2%, you're losing 5.5% on a real basis before the debasement of the currency is even yeah. included. So anyone who owns bonds has to have their head examined as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it is a horrible return for the risk. And there's far better places to hold your, uh, your risk assets. Um, and, uh, you know, this will happen. The fidelity report, uh, that just was written on digital assets is a seminal report, in my opinion, because fidelity is one of the largest asset managers in the world. And when fidelity moves, other people listen, particularly meaning if fidelity is going into Bitcoin, uh, and, and uh, they're your comp- competition you, and you're losing clients. If you don't have a fidelity type of alternative, well, then you get your own fidelity Bitcoin uh, offering and uh, you live to fight another day in the, in the world of trying to garner assets from, 
So from how, big, big how, plans. how long will that transition take or when do you think you'll start seeing sizable reallocations from, you know, your typical? It's, bond? Yeah, it's hard yeah. to say. I mean, right now, um, people need to understand it more uh, better. Uh, I think the market still thinks of Bitcoin as a risk asset when in fact it's not. It yeah. is actually an insurance product. And, um, so, you, you know, you never know, uh, slowly then suddenly is a, is a pretty, uh, is a pretty cool, um, expression. Uh, I started my career in Canada when there was no high yield bond market, uh, because big, big asset managers in Canada did not want to, uh, offer a sleeve for high yield bonds. And then it, one account started it and then his track record was getting really good. So other people looked at it and said, well, maybe I better start learning about high yield bonds. And now there's not a, a major pension or a major asset manager in Canada that, that, that does not have a high yield sleeve, but it takes time. You know, it took about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll be shorter with Bitcoin, far shorter, uh, because what's happening is countries are now uh, leapfrogging the asset management management space so it's an exciting time, uh, you know, uh, and then the use case for Bitcoin is uh, being proven on the streets in Canada every day Yes, uh, where yeah. you, uh, you know, you're getting uh, bank accounts frozen, you're getting money confiscated, uh, you know, uh, the use case for Bitcoin is plain for everybody to see. What, uh, what, from, uh, if, what effect? No, no, no. What what effect do you think the volcano bonds in El Salvador are going to have on? I guess the subscription rate there is going to be telling. But uh, what 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 effect do you think that's going to have on what people think about Bitcoin? Well, listen. If the country is able to pay off all their foreign debt, which Max Kaiser, uh, who I spoke to on Friday, uh, announced that uh, that is the plan. Can you imagine what that does to the credit uh, worthiness of a country like El Salvador uh, that does not need IMF uh, blessing uh, to raise money? It changes the entire game for the country. Uh, They are already growing their economy substantially. The last report was uh, uh, they grew uh, some crazy amount. um, It was upwards of like 20% around that range. Okay. I did not see that number, but that's annualized. I'm sure. I think I saw a number where a month monthly growth was something like 5% or something like that uh, month over uh, month, which annualized would, would indicate, you know, some sort of 20 percent ish type of uh, number. I mean, these are all remarkable numbers and I have a huge, uh, uh, admiration for the guts of, uh, the president, uh, Bukele. Uh, look, the guy is, he's a Harvard, edu- Harvard educated, uh, uh, young man who's got the guts to, uh, think outside the box. And it's, you know, I think it changes the equation to f- for the country incredibly, but it also is a blueprint for what other countries can do. For sure. For and, sure. And that's, uh, that's key. Do you think that bonds uh, at a municipal level, Bitcoin bonds on the municipal level are a viable thing? Especially like I haven't really, I haven't thought about it. I mean, um, I think Bitcoin bonds at any level uh, where the optionality on the price of Bitcoin is a, uh, is a, uh, 
a component of the return uh, make a ton of sense. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, why is that? Because it's actually a uh, bond that's not fixed, right? Fixed income implies that the contract is fixed. But this is a contract that has a fixed coupon, but optionality with the price of Bitcoin uh, participation. And uh, that's cool. It's sort of more like a convertible bond in the case of a uh, an equity that, has, that 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 you can participate in the in, in equity price appreciation in the convertible nature of a uh, a bond that's uh, uh, issued by a company, you know. And so it's cool. It's really cool. I was uh, and the reason I bring that up in, in in the work in Guatemala at Bitcoin Lake, I met with the mayor down there in Panachel, and I oh. position. I positioned that to him. I said, you know, you could potentially issue municipal Bitcoin bonds yeah. to basically help with the infrastructure of the town. And right. so, and I, Sorry, I didn't, you know, when I, when you said municipals, I, uh, I was thinking the municipal bond market in the USA is massive uh, because it's tax. There's tax uh, mm-hmm, advantages sure. of yeah. owning munis, but uh, <clears throat> I wasn't thinking of a South American municipality. I was actually thinking of a, you know, North American or specifically USA, uh, yeah. Municipalities. So yeah, that, that was the context. Uh, so okay. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Excellent. Yeah. And, um, I guess, uh, I, I tweeted this to you, I think last week sometime, but if, if we're running up to another, you know, 2008, 2009 crisis, what year are we in now? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, Ooh, yeah, hard to say because it unravels quickly and crises are getting shorter in duration, Um, uh, meaning, you know, it took. uh, So in 2007, I think the Fed infamously said that uh, the subprime mortgage uh, crisis is contained. Right. According to the Fed, 2007 subprime mortgage crisis is contained. And then Bear Stearns stock starts getting hit and Lehman Brothers stock is getting hit. And 2008. Uh, things start getting really ugly, the bankruptcy of, uh, of Lehman. But then 2009, March to, you know, January, February, March of 2009 was really, really scary. Like I would dry, uh, ride the train to work in the morning and thinking, and I'm working in a hedge fund and we're actually doing well. Uh, you know, I'm not going to brag, but we were making money and we were getting redeemed because people wanted their money back mm-hmm. because they wanted to put it in the mattress. So mm-hmm. even when you're doing well, you know, you're, you're under pressure in those types of markets. And I actually thought that it was over. I thought that the, that, that the world, the financial world as we knew it was going to collapse. Mm. So then the S and P hit uh, the infamous six, 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 six number uh, in March of 2009. So over that period, that's three years. I don't think we're in, firstly, I don't think the next crisis is going to have three years. So, uh, but where are we in that context? Uh, we're not even in 2000 and, you know, beginning of 2008 right now, the crisis that we have is a crisis of confidence or will have is a crisis of confidence. Those things are the same, but it will happen at the country level now, not at the, uh, level of a structured product like subprime mortgages, or uh, it'll happen at the level where auctions, government auctions fail. And it's not going to happen in the USA before it happens in Canada. And it won't happen in Canada before it happens in South Africa, let's say. But all of these dominoes will start to fall and the contagion 
uh, could get very ugly very quickly. Okay. So the next question was, and you alluded to it, but, um, if we're probably 2006, are we still working on, you know, 365 days in the year? And I think you mentioned it's probably going to happen a lot quicker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So h- how would you reduce- get buy your insurance? I think, t- uh, Michael Saylor tweeted a good one today. Uh, buy your Bitcoin when you can, not when you have to, yeah, right. Sure. Something along those lines. It's the same about insurance, right? You, you buy your insurance when you can, uh, and Bitcoin is your insurance. And right now it's extremely cheap in my opinion. Uh, so you're supposed to buy it and you never know when the day comes where that you really need it. Um, and it might not be certainly available at this price. And in all honesty, it could gap up several hundred thousand dollars as a country realizes they need it. Right. Um, you know, cause what happens is the world is relying on the federal reserve. They do. All global central banks rely on what the Federal Reserve is doing. And what happens if the Federal Reserve loses control? You need insurance on that. Mm-hmm. And a country might turn around and say, well, what is that insurance? And then they say, you know what that insurance is? It's actually Bitcoin. And I yeah. better get myself a whack of it. Yeah. And so it so becomes the, game theory. Yeah. So in the regular markets, the, the, the shorting of the equity becomes your insurance. And in, I guess in our sovereign situation, you can't really yeah. short the equity. You, yeah. You've got to, you've got to short correct. the dollar by buying Bitcoin. Uh, correct. Uh, now don't forget all fiats are melting ice cubes. Yes. So the U S yeah. dollar might strengthen relative to other melting ice cubes, meaning it's melting at a less, uh, in the eyes of the world, it's, it's melting is less severe than the melting of a currency, like, uh, the Turkish lira or whatever, uh, uh, fiat of the day is imploding. Um, but they all go down because they are programmed to debase because that's what the math is. Um, so yeah, you, you buy Bitcoin as your, uh, insurance policy against all those events. Very good. Very good. And then I, I think that, um, you know, I was asking you, you know, are you the, are you the new Jim Cramer or, or not? And when, <laughs> when, when do you start yelling, <laughs> you know, the house is oh, on man. fire. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I mean, you can only yell so loud. Uh, yeah, the, the biggest yeah. yelling I was doing was telling people a year ago to get the heck out of bonds. And then you get these guys who, you know, say, well, don't listen to Foss. I love long bonds. And I'm thinking specifically of, uh, you know, a, a particular guy, Stephen Van Meter, who, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've talked with at a, at a Mark Moss conference. And he called me an idiot, which is fine, except bonds are off 20% mm-hmm. since he called me an idiot. And, and, and we actually shared a, a beer afterwards and he was very honest in saying, uh, you know, uh, he was in it for a trade. He didn't ever want to own long bonds at the time they were yielding something like 170 or something. And now they're 230. Uh, so 60 basis points on the long bond is about that's $12 right there. Just in the, uh, it, 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 since then. And it's, it's, it's now $20, but the point is this, um, you don't own a, a bond is supposed to be safety. You, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to lose 20% on your bond portfolio. It's just not supposed to happen, but it does because that's mathematics. And that's what I mentioned. Bonds are no longer the dampening uh, uh, instrument within a, a, a balanced fund, right? The 60, 40 bond uh, or 60, 40 equity bond portfolio um, does the 40% that's in bonds we don't have the luxury of the bond prices going up when the equity markets are going sure, down. Sure. 
Well, uh, Greg, thanks for your insights and, um, you know, keep the, keep the excellent signal on Twitter coming. I, you know, when I saw that you were off Twitter, I was a little alarmed, but, um, well, thank you. I mean, you know what, I, I, I'm happy that I, first of all, when I came back on, I'm like, God damn, I lost 80, 80,000 followers. Like, you know, and, and so for anyone who's doing this out there, considering, uh, deactivating their Twitter account, you have 30 days to, to reactivate it. But when you reactivate it, it says you have zero followers and zero people you're following. And I'm like, Oh man, I can't believe I have to build all these, uh, uh, followings who I can follow or who I like following back. And then about 15 minutes afterwards, it's like the program catches yeah. on that you're back and bang it. It repopulates your uh, followers yeah. list yeah. And, and everything. So yeah. Cause good. when I, yeah, when I checked, you had all your followers back and <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to try to meet you down in Miami. Cause you're a keynote speaker down in Miami, right? I'm uh, I'm one of, uh, I've been invited to speak. Yeah. I don't know what, uh, what uh, day or uh, with, with whom, which, which, which group. And I really hope I get out of the country. Um, well, that's the Canada. question. Are you going to be able to get out? Oh man, who knows. Right. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll find a way, um, because I still believe in freedom and, uh, and I still believe that on the whole, most, uh, of the people understand that Trudeau has lost his mind. Yeah. Uh, and eventually there, even the, there's defections happening in, in, in the, in the police force, in the, in the armed forces, uh, by people who just can't do it anymore, uh, put up with it. And including, I'm not sure if you saw this, I would recommend, uh, this, uh, corporal who was, uh, his personal security for 14 years. Uh, Bulford was the uh, corporal Bulford was the RCMP officer who was Trudeau's personal security officer for 14 years. He finally said, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I am very disappointed with, uh, you know, the actions of the RCMP in arresting people, uh, uh, uh doing things, uh, that, that violate the charters of charter of rights and freedoms of the citizens of Canada. He, he choked up on the stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a brilliant speech he gave and look, I mean, Canadians, there's, there's people who don't agree, uh, don't agree with the, uh, the truckers and that's fine. You're free to, to mm-hmm. believe whatever you want to believe. It's not about vaccinations and, uh, uh, being anti-vax or vaccinations in my, uh, situation, my personal situation. It's about freedom of choice. I'm doubly vaxxed. I have no problem with people who aren't vaxxed. And I also, if my daughter, I have a 21 year old daughter, she was wishing to get pregnant and she chose not to take the vax out of concern for, uh, you know, implications. I'd be like, that's fine. You don't have to. And, and, uh, and, and for people like Trudeau to say that's unacceptable. I just, I can't, I can't live with that. And so I have to speak out. Greg, where does he go from here? I mean, I, I don't see how he can walk this back without yeah, losing I don't a significant know. face. I, well, I, first of all, only 16% of the Canadian population support him now one six. So if he thinks that, you know, where's the fringe minority now? Well, the fringe minority is the people that support Trudeau. Okay. So he is a crybaby. He's a spoiled brat. He has been his whole life. Uh, Silver Spooner, uh, you know, uh, very, you know, intellectually, you know, soft. 
And saying things like the budget will balance itself and forgive me if I don't care about monetary policy are not the types of things a leader who knows anything about finance should or would say. And just to put the shoe on the other foot, if that was the CEO of a publicly traded company, they would be fired on the spot and the stock price would be under extreme duress because that is just infantile type of, uh, uh, you know, drivel. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Excellent. And then, uh, have you the, for your speech, have you thought about what you're going to talk about, um, in Miami, anything new? Uh, no, no. Cause they haven't sort of said they've invited me, but they haven't said, uh, you know, what, what they'd like me to talk about. I really hope I'm on with Preston Pish and, uh, Jeff Booth again, uh, be, like I was last year's, uh, man, it's easy to be on stage with those guys cause, uh, they're just so friggin' smart. And, uh, you know, I can say, uh, one or two words and, and, you know, I won't get into too much trouble and I'll learn something on the stage and meet a lot of great people. So I'm okay, um, to, to do whatever they want me to do. Uh, the funny thing is I gave a presentation at Mark Moss, uh, Mark Moss event, and I had to speak for 40 minutes by myself just for 40 minutes. And I'm like, I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to, you know, I, and I didn't have anything prepared. And then about half an hour before the speech, I'm like, you know what? I better write some stuff down and just to make sure my thought process is clear, you know? And so I actually did that and, uh, and then put together a couple of slides that went up on the, on the, uh, the, the board. And it's not easy to talk by yourself for 40 minutes. Okay. Like there was no questions from the audience. It's just up there in a monologue and it, it went quite well. I hope, well, I think it did because I know they invited me back to it, to another event, uh, for Mark Moss, uh, coming up. So I'm proud to do that again with Mark. He's a good friend. He actually reached out last night when he saw that my Twitter account had been deactivated. Um, these are, uh, I'm not sure where I was going with this, except to say I'll be on stage in, uh, in Miami picking up water bottles if I have to, I mean, I'm, I'm cool to do whatever they want me to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, my friend. Um, I definitely want you to come down to Guatemala and see what we're doing down there. Wouldn't that be exciting? You know what? I'm really happy that you've done what you're doing. Um, I am a huge fan of the guys at Ibex Mercado. Jose and I hung out in Mm -hmm. Miami. That's Jose Lemus, the CEO Mm -hmm. of Ibex Mercado. I've just for your listeners, but, um, Jose and I hung out in Miami. Uh, that's where I was for the Mark Moss, uh, conference. And Jose happened to be in town, uh, meeting with the city of Miami because Ibex Mercado has just onboarded the city of Miami for the merchant solutions. Okay. That's awesome. So, I mean, look, and this is where these, where did I meet these guys one year ago? close to one year ago at the last Bitcoin mine, I guess it was in June, right? So maybe it was not even close to one year ago, only half a year ago. I met these guys at the, uh, uh, Bitcoin Miami conference and they were talking about Guatemala and, uh, you know, Lake Atatia, I think it's called or something like that. I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I butchered the name, but (laughs) they, uh, they had this idea. And then on the same stage that I was on, Jack Maulers gets up and announces that El Salvador is doing what they're doing and the business. So I gave a shout out to Ibex Mercado guys on the stage uh, when I was with Jeff and, uh, and Preston and little did I know that on that same stage, the next day, uh, Bukele gets, uh, you know, Jack Maulers is up there and Bukele is on the, uh, the platform and they announced they're, they're doing uh, uh, not Bitcoin Lake, 
they're turning El Zante, Bitcoin Beach, into a Bitcoin country yeah, and homeland. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, for sure. Okay, my friend, uh, thanks for your time. You have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. To access the tools discussed today, be sure to use the links found in the show notes. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. 